and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name's Steve Barrett. I'm the editorial director of PR Week, going to guide you gently through another show. Listeners, we're in slightly better form than we were on the last podcast the morning after the awards. Sorry about that. That's always a fairly uh, difficult morning for us, but I think we got through it okay and hope you enjoyed it hearing from the whole team. We've got a busy show, and I've got my co-host with me, Frank Washkirk. How are you doing, Frank? I'm doing well. I'd like to think I'm always in good form. So. Well, you were, were up and out and in the gym the, the early the morning after the awards. So, you know, that was very impressive. Uh, I don't think anyone else was on the team. Uh, well, I didn't do a poll, but yeah, no, I, I, that, that's I don't think you need to, to be yeah, honest, looking at but yeah, it was good fun. Yeah. Um, we're going to uh, chat to our special guest. Then we'll talk about the PR Week Women of Distinction 2023. We launched that list um, Wednesday morning. Our Communicator of the Year has already been promoted. That's the impact of PR Week, listeners. Ted Lasso has visited the White House press office. We'll find out about that. And is Donald Trump going to be indicted? And how's that going to play out? We will see. Jen Psaki, former White House press secretary, has a new TV show. Twitter, if you're the pre- member of the press, that's not a very nice way to reply to your inquiries. We'll find out about that. And TikTok, the uh, CEO, Shuju, is going up before Congress on Thursday, so that'll be interesting. And another acquisition in the agency space. But here's our special guest, award-winning, outstanding, mid-size agency of the year, co-founder and CEO, Josh Rosenberg from Day One Agency. Josh, welcome to the show. How are you feeling? Steve Frank, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for that intro. I feel much better today than I did last Friday morning, for sure. But um, we're super excited, and thank you for this great honor and distinction. Did you do a bit of celebrating, Josh? We did. We had our whole team out, and we were definitely celebrating uh, such a great win and a testament to all their hard work. Yeah, it was a great night, wasn't it, yes. actually? It was Across a really good vibe. Yeah, I yeah. think so. So congrats on that. Thank and, you. Um, yeah, well-deserved. And uh, tell us what it means to you, because that's... Um, I think that's your first agency win, isn't it? We were small agencies. You were small agencies. Yes. You're showing that progression, right? Yes. Through the ranks, up, small, now mid-sized. Yeah, frankly, you know, it means a lot, especially just a testament to our growth and our team's hard work and creativity and the ability to really, you know, make a difference not only for our clients, but in the industry. Yeah, and that was on the back of um, it's 47% growth last year, year over year. And I think you're, um, sorry, in 20, between 21 and 22. And then last year, you're looking at 20% roughly. So that's, that's almost 60% growth in revenue in two years. So, um, and it's not all about numbers. We know that, but let's start with those. How did, what was really driving that? What was the the driving force behind such, such such incredible growth. Yeah, I think it's honestly the work. I think we have this philosophy that good work begets more great work. And, you know, the team's done a really great job at innovating in the industry and really moving at the speed of culture. And I feel like as the media landscape evolves and changes so quickly, um, we've really been able to be one step ahead in terms of how we go to the market and how we help our brands and clients um, create stories that move the world. Last year, we started Day One Studios in our LA office, um, which is a dedicated space to telling stories and creating content um, at the speed of culture. So a lot of that growth has been in content production, whether that's 
TikTok or Instagram reels or, um, you know, websites or short or long form YouTube videos. So we've really expanded our uh, production capabilities. And I think that really has helped to drive a lot of the growth. And then also creativity. We've really invested a lot in our creative team and our ability to um, come up with ideas that do earn a place in culture. Yeah. Tell us a bit more about that short form concept, because that's really good for some of your clients like Chipotle. You've worked with Nike, you've got Comcast, Meta, Amex, um, Ferrara, Walmart, but um, you did 550 small pieces of content for TikTok and Insta Reels, short form video. And that's something where the PR mentality is perfectly suited, isn't it? Because it's agile, it's quick turnaround stuff. Just tell us about the practicalities of doing that, because that's a mindset maybe that the the advertising folks don't always have, and that uh, it's it's a a place you can play and really um, prosper. Yeah, I think the ability to be nimble and to really move at the speed of culture is something that I think our industry in particular is really great at. I know you wrote an editorial about that a few weeks ago, just in terms of thinking about creativity through the I pandemic. Like to big up my people. Yeah. Just, you know. Thank you. Um, but I think, I, you know, I do look after campaigns well and the, so yeah. they're my people too, but yeah. You know, I'm glad we're in person today, but frankly, for the last three years, we've all been people inside of screens talking to other people inside of screens, let alone we have these social screens in our pockets, right? So yeah. how does a brand break through? Really thought hard and long about how we can create an offering that, you know, can be nimble, right? But that can also earn a place in culture and really connect with an audience and get them to share and get them to care. Yeah. Now, tell us about Corn Kid, because that's one of these, we've written about this a lot. We've spoken about it on the podcast a lot. How does it work? You know, when you you get something like that happening, how do you, you, as you as an agency, just talk us through the day-to-day, the practicality of it. I'm sure listeners would love to know. So, We're very fortunate to have amazing partners at Chipotle. Um, We work with them for, I think, six years now. So, you know, we joke around that, yes, we were able to get that post live in 17 hours, but it really took, you know, six years of building that muscle between our two teams to really be able to do that. Um, But yeah, we saw that it was trending and um, our teams worked really closely to reach out to Tariq and to film him the next day and 17 hours later, you know, at a Chipotle in the Bronx. We got one of our videographers to go up there and create it, shoot it, edit it, um, get it approved, you know, in partnership with our great clients at Chipotle and with Tariq and his team. And the rest is history. It's the most liked, shared, engaged post from Chipotle. And do you have to get things like legal approvals and stuff like that? And how do you make that happen quickly so that you can get stuff live with quick turnaround? We do. And thankfully, Chipotle does that on their end. And they really, you know, being real time and reaching the next generation is key for them. So they've really built an amazing system internally that where legal, marketing, social all sit together and are able to approve things very quickly. Yeah, that's good stuff. Those Frank, those stories get so much traffic, don't they? Whenever we pick up on those. They really do. And I think part of it is just the social aspect, but I think there's also a desire to read about brands acting quickly. Yeah. What are the pitfalls? You know, I think we've all seen brands get it wrong sometimes it's it's maybe people try things and we had a story about uh, a brand uh, social media manager who accidentally started posting on their brand site rather than their personal site the other week which i guess is a you know uh, an occupational hazard there's all these little I'll things always use a second phone yeah well okay see these are good <laughs> tips yeah absolutely um no i think there's obviously can be pitfalls right because the internet does move so quickly but i think 
you know, knowing your audience and understanding what they react to and understanding what that line could be. Yes, you always want to test and learn and see what may or may not work. And not every post, you know, will go, you know, viral, so to speak. Right. But I think it's trial and error. Um, and that's a lot of what we think about and what we do test and learn. I think that might be one of the best tips we've had. Always use a second phone. Always. Very simple, but very, uh, very relevant. What about, um, do you still get clients saying to you, we want this to go viral? Is we, that still? We do. And we quickly say shareable. Okay. Because <laughs> you can't control virality, right? But you can, you know, think about what will get people to care and then ultimately share. Yeah, yeah. And um, in terms of your agency, you co-founded it. Is it uh, nine years ago? Yeah, we so, just turned nine a uh, few weeks ago in, in March. Yeah, so your 10th will be next year. Yes. Um, and you were formerly at Embu yes. for 12 years and before that at Cone. And um, tell us a bit about founding it and how you made that decision to leave, you know, not a, uh, it's a holding company agency, but a, a nice, kind of nice holding company next 15, isn't it? It's yes, a, very it's nice holding company. Mid-sized sort of, not a, a massive conglomerate, but so what was the spirit behind wanting to go yeah, out on I mean, your own? I feel like we all learned so much at Booth. My two co-founders uh, worked with me there and I feel like we were just ready to think about what could we do if we started an agency from scratch. Like Booth was awesome, still is today. Um, and I think we were like, you know, what if we sort of created an agency for the next 10 years and 24 hours, what would that look like if we were, you know, one profit center and, you know, created a way of working that, um, you know, really was in service of being the best part of our client's day. And how could we then continue to innovate and iterate as the media landscape was evolving so quickly? You know, there's no way we could have ever foreseen TikTok being a thing, right? But we're producing so much of that today, but we've really built a culture at the agency um, to be able to sort of move where the media is moving and to think ahead and to create ahead, which I think we're super proud of. Yeah, we'll talk about TikTok later because that's clearly a int- really interesting topic. Could you have ever imagined having like 175 people and sort of looking at 43 million in terms of billings and looking up now, t- looking to try and get to the large agency category? No, to be honest. And I think, you know, we have grown smartly, I think, and I hope, and I think, you know, I'm very fortunate to have, you know, great business partners that enable us to scale more than if it's just any one of us. Um, and I think, you know, we still love what we do and who we do it for, which is why we call ourselves day one. Um, we still have that mentality each and every day. And I think that's what we want to try to keep. And as we grow and we still obviously want to grow, but to continue to grow smartly and not get too big too quickly. Do you think, um, so going back to that idea about creativity, how do you think creativity has been impacted by the lockdown? You know, has it been uh, affected? We we hear about, you know, maybe the can work this year isn't as good with people having an early look. People were talking about the Super Bowl. Was it as creative? What's your thoughts on that? I think creative is just different. I think we're all different as humans anyway, right? So our own creative processes probably have changed and we're all thinking about ways to get engaged and re-engaged and, you know, getting off of Slack sometimes and off of Zoom to actually be in person and brainstorm in person. So I think, you know, we've all changed, right? So I think our creative processes also need to change. So, um, yeah, I don't think that it's worse than it was before. I think it's just different. Um, And I think you got to really think about how you bring the energy, right? How do you bring that creative energy every day and how do you manage that energy amongst the team 
Yeah. And are, we, are you going to be employing a whole um, fleet of robots, Josh, now that AI is taking over the world and we're all being replaced? Where, how's that going to impact what, you, what agencies like yours do? Not yet. Um, you know, we are definitely experimenting and thinking about, like, what are ways you can use chat GPT for inspiration and, you know, things like that. But I don't think that I don't think you can replace the creative process with a robot. Yeah. Well, we will see on that one. Um, but uh, at least fun- I hope not. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we've uh, we've chatted about that a long t- a lot of times too. Um, and finally, what are you seeing now? You know, in terms of 2023, obviously the economy is a bit more stretched. Banking, in, you know, the banking uh, crash the other week impacted a lot of tech clients, didn't it? Um, and agencies, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So that was cause for thought and maybe uh, take you know concern what what are you seeing and how do you expect this year to play out yeah i think we're still hoping that we're going to continue to grow this year i think everyone is cautiously optimistic still i would say i think the year is shaping out nicely so far from our perspective but you know you never know the bank everything that happened in the banking world over the last few weeks was definitely you know a shock to the system and i think we're all still trying to think about you know how do you continue to manage out of that yeah for sure it was a shock. Um, we thought we were through with that. And that the, the, sometimes a bit of regulation yeah. is not a bad thing, is it? <laughs> no, not at all. Which is also, I know we're going to talk about TikTok in a minute too, but um, yeah, I just think it's, I think if the pandemic taught us everything is how important resiliency is and how important it is to be able to get back up and to continue to forge ahead and not just look back. And I think that's one of the things that we've taken away from that and one of the things that we'll continue to do. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, congrats again, Josh. Really good to see you you winning. And it was a great night. And good luck at the Campaign Awards. You're up for another award this week. This Fingers crossed. Yeah. Just shows how integrated everything is these days. At Notified, we champion the corporate storyteller. We empower public relations and investor relations professionals with the tools and technology to tell your story powerfully, effectively, and flawlessly. Relied on by more than 10,000 global in-house and agency teams, we enable you to stay in control of your narrative with a suite of award-winning solutions and dedicated editorial and customer service. Notified. Your story goes here. To learn more, visit Notified.com slash PR Week. Amplify your story. Notified.com slash PR Week. Frank, let's talk about the uh, Women of Distinction. Great list. And uh, we launched that Wednesday morning. It's at 2023. Some of the fantastic women applying their trade in PR. What what caught your eye? Uh, It's a great list and we're already getting great feedback on it. And uh, I think you'll agree if you look at it, there's um, just a list of terrific, really well-known brands on here. Uh, Cheryl Forsatz from Ferrero USA. Uh, We have Georgia Juvelis from AMC Networks. Sarah Marin from IBM. And, and, you know, the list goes on and on. And we have terrific representatives from the agency side as well, whether that's uh, Jennifer Paganelli from Real Chemistry, uh, Ginger Porter from Golan. Back to the brand side, we have Maria Pavaromo from Cisco Systems. It's a really terrific list. And I think, you know, really representative of, of the just the breadth of the industry, just a wide list of different types of companies, types of agencies. Um, you know, it's 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 really terrific. Yeah. And one of our former guests, Jen Schuyler, is yeah. on the list from American Express. And you know what we did, Frank? We chose 25 women in our 25th year. I did notice that. 
I was I was aware. To see of what that. we did. Yeah, there. I did. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we also chose some women to watch as That's well, right. didn't we? To who are part of the next generation of leaders. Yeah, and this is also, uh, and this shouldn't be understated. This is a great list as well. Everybody from Laura Fogelman to Alana Glass to Angeline Hartman. Um, it, it's a really good list of people who are going to be the next CCOs or the next, you know, head of corporate affairs at companies or next agency leaders. So it's it's um, it's really worth checking out. Definitely. PRWeek.com. Josh, anything jump out of the list for you? I mean, I think some great women on that list for sure. I mean, you mentioned, you know, I've been mentored by two great women. Like you mentioned, you know, Cone and M. Booth, Carol and Margie, like totally helped to shape my career. And I don't think I'd be here without strong, smart, creative women. So Yeah. The Cone name lives on, doesn't it? Yes. It's part of uh, Porto Novelli now, I think. Is it? believe so uh so yeah carol terrific margie fantastic and uh the good thing is there are so many um different people to choose from we actually had and some amazing candidates that we, we weren't able to honor it's, it's this a year. tough list to narrow well, down. it is isn't it's it? a it's a very very difficult list to narrow down i mean you almost want to say if you applied for this list or somebody referred you for this list and you didn't make it i mean there's no um well, try again wrong, is you know, what I would say. Yeah, yeah try it's again. It's a terrific list. Because uh, just because you didn't make it one year doesn't mean you won't the next. Um, it's, uh, it is a, it's a great list and, and uh, worth checking out. Um, yeah, and our PR Week Communicator of the Year, Ukraine's Vice Prime Minister Mikhailo Fedorov, uh, he's already been promoted, Frank. I mean, yes. that's like three days after getting his award. I mean, we're, that, that's a bit of a tribute to PR Week, isn't it? Because that's undoubtedly the reason why President Zelensky did it. It must be. We must have his ear uh, and not quite know it. So he's been up to, he's retaining uh, his uh, old duties as the Minister of Digital Transformation, which is a fascinating job, by the way, if you, if you yeah. look into what he was able to do. And, and really just so much of it is like just keeping the lights on and the, the, all the digital systems flowing and all of that uh, in the country as they were being bombed in the early part of last year. And it, it's just it, it really fascinating to see that video and hear about what he was up to. Uh, anyway, he's now the Deputy Prime Minister for Innovation, Development of Education, Science and Technology. So a wider brief uh, for uh, Deputy Prime Minister Fedorov. Yeah, he, um, he he made his bones really helping President Zelensky get elected with yeah. very smart uh, technology and polling. And he made good relationships on in Silicon Valley in 2021 before the invasion by Russia. So uh, what did you think of our communicator of the year choice, Josh? And uh, he's a real tech expert, right? Yeah, you I know. thought it was fantastic. And obviously now the power of PR week to really make careers, well, which yeah, is awesome. But even just slightly thinking back, joking on that one. You know, he's done such a great job in <laughs> yeah. communicating and leveraging the power of the internet to build community and also to change minds, which I think has been yeah. amazing to watch and to see. I can only imagine how stressful that job uh, is. Well, exactly. We were talking to uh, Karen Batia from Google, sort of, who dealt with him a lot and was talked about how he'd be in a room under a bare one, one light bulb and he's on top of his brief, uh, really complex technological subjects whilst he's got, you know, bombs raining down around him and he's in a, in a bunker, you know, so... Yeah, is uh, very impressive. And he's only 32 years old That's as well. So um, well worth checking out the content we did on him, his acceptance speech and the video and a feature around it. It's all on PRWeek.com as well. And congratulations to Michaela. Uh, all right, Frank Ted Lasso. He's visited the White House and including a trip to the press office. What was that all about? Yeah, um, well, I was, I was about to say Ted Lasso is a show that seems to be liked by everybody, but that's not true, is it, Steve? 
Well, we can get to that one. That was a story by The Athletic, wasn't it, about um, my home country. Maybe not as uh, lasso enthusiastic as everyone else in the world. I can, I can say what Brits tend to think of it if you want, but it's, pro- it's probably not uh, PG, PG friendly. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, so uh, it's a really well-liked show in the US. Uh, where I quite like where, it, by the way. I did watch it. Where people really embrace the main character's positivity. But there are a lot of uh, themes in the show about mental health and dealing with difficult uh, issues and how people deal with them, including through therapy. Um, and the cast, including Jason Sudeikis, uh, was at the White House uh, this week and, um, you know, checked in with the president and the first lady and visited the White House briefing room, which all did not go smoothly because they were heckled. Um, and the White House press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, was also heckled while that was happening. No, 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 that's not we're not doing this. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. But, uh, you know, by and large, I think it's a it's a smart move by the White House to embrace something that is uh, that positive. And it's no secret that there is a mental health crisis happening in the country. And um, the more that it can help to normalize talking about it and and being more open about it, I think is helpful. So so was good anyone for them on this brave enough to heckle the actor who plays Roy Kent? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Who who might he Simply be no. uh, um, named after? Do you think? <laughs> well, I I know this, but I do, how much do we want to segue <laughs> yeah, yeah. this this podcast? No, into? I was just so the heckling. Let's yeah. go back to that. Was that um, from that journalist who's but said I've been here seven months and you've never asked me yes. a question and now you've got some actors coming in? Yeah, you. and and largely disassociated by other journalists. And yeah, they kind of so shouted him down yeah. themselves, didn't they? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's raising an important issue, and they have. To, I mean, what was the the um, Korean band? Yeah, BTS. BTS did a yeah. did a press conference there, didn't they? And um, as part of the part of the shtick, this is um, look. This is something that I think administrations before the Trump administration did all the time. Whether it was you know having various celebrities in with the with viewpoints about important issues and and. You know, we're kind of back to that now. Um, by the way, a really nice touch with this was having the fictional journalist yes. from the show show up. Really, that was a, that was a good touch. Oh, good the uh, that, the yeah. Guardian guy with the yeah. yeah, that was the only question they took. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I can't help but yes. take this opportunity to take uh, at least one question. So please, yeah. Ah, wait, hold on here. Decorum, right? That was the word we were using. Decorum. Uh, yes, sir. Familiar face. Hi. Trent Crim. <laughs> Fake journalist. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, uh, Trent, nice to see you. How do you feel about Kansas City being one of the named hosting cities for the uh, 2026 World Cup? Ooh, here I was, hoping for a softball. And uh, totally coincidentally, of course, there's a new series starting very soon. That, that was just a total coincidence, right? Uh, I mean, I <laughs> it started last week. Oh, okay. They're also, mean- they were also front row at the Knicks game. Right. So, yeah. It's good PR, Josh, yeah. basically. I mean, yeah. very you, can't buy, uh, you can't buy coverage like that. <laughs> no, I thought you were referring to another new series that we're going to talk about. Uh, oh, no. Sorry. Another great communicator. But, yeah, let's get on to that before I get myself in even more Maya. Um, well, this is kind of connected because – so Donald Trump is uh, sort of preempted what he says was going to be an indictment or an arrest, a possible arrest in – New York City, and um, seemed like the police force was yeah. 
um, all ready for this. What's what's going on there? And what did what do we think of that as a communication strategy, almost like preempting the story? This this is tough to weigh in on because you you really don't know the timeline right now. Nobody except the the folks on the the grand jury really do, or and and maybe they even don't. So it's tough to say when this is going to go down and what the negotiations with the secret service are going to look like, like, is there a traditional perp walk going to happen? Uh, Is there, you know, is there a mugshot? How are all these things going to happen? So it's tough to weigh in on the communication strategy. And like with, with, with so much with, with Trump, it's just kind of, you know, throwing this information out there, seeing who will bite and then creating a kind of circus around it. Um, It, it does seem to have succeeded in that he got a lot of attention over the weekend. He really ate up a few news cycles with this. Um, but it's yet to be seen what the reality is going to look like. Uh, there are a lot of stories out this week that he wants to be handcuffed on camera. There are some that say he doesn't. So it's it's tough to weigh in on what this is actually going to look like. It is going to be unprecedented. There there has never been a former president that's been indicted before. So it, it will be a historic thing if it happens. Um, and I think in terms of the police presence, it's good to see that, that you know, both in D.C. and here, they're not taking any chances and they seem to have learned something from January 6th. So that's good to see. But um, I, this is something we're going to have to revisit in the next couple of weeks because it's it's like so many things with him. It's tough to predict what can happen. Yeah. I mean, look, he's a, he, he's been very successful on social media right? Yeah. And getting the things he wanted. and. We, um, as you mentioned, on uh, it contributed potentially to the January the sixth. That wasn't a great outcome, but um, so it was interesting to see how he handled it. And he's also apparently has been talking to friends. Well, how sh- should I uh, smile? Should I just you know be penitent, or what? How should I approach this? And also happening in New York, you it, know, where he's not necessarily as popular as he might be in other parts of the country. It's important to know when we talk about this, that this is not the only investigation and we, we could potentially be looking at an indictment out of Georgia as well. Uh, and there is a special counsel in Washington also investigating him. So in theory, he could be indicted in several places on several different investigations. We, we just don't know as of right now, he may, he may have several mugshots to smile or not smile for. So we'll see. Um, yeah. It's, it's tough to predict right now, not knowing and, and the, I mean, well, I there's know the, what the charges could well, be. Well, there's been some info out of the Georgia investigation, but the special counsel in Washington is extremely tight-lipped, which you would expect, and and we just don't know right now. So we're we're just going to have to keep an eye on it. Yeah. Any thoughts, Josh? I agree with everything Frank said. Yeah. Well, that's always good policy in my. my no, definitely watching and you know wondering what could possibly be next you're not heading down to the courthouse after this uh, definitely not uh, podcast Thank recording God we're only a block away from <laughs> the studio here <laughs> and then uh, jen saki started uh, the former yeah. white house press secretary she started her new show on sunday was it sunday and um it's called Inside with Jen Psaki, and she did devote quite a bit of time to Trump on that, didn't she? Yeah, um, and and I think she's going to going forward because uh, she does have a you know center left or left of center, whatever you want to call it, a point of view, um, and uh, I, I I think she is going to focus a lot on 
Trump going forward because that's what uh, her viewers want in a lot of ways. So yeah, she's on MSNBC. Yeah, uh, but I I like this because I think there's a lot of room for new points of view and new types of shows on Sunday morning. Um, I think, and, and you know, like like as a media traditionalist, in some ways, I hate to say this. I mean, the Sunday morning shows have have lost a lot of clout over the past so many years, uh, and they used to be so incredibly important to setting the week's agenda legislatively and in terms of the news cycle. And and I think they could use some new view, viewpoints now. So, you know, interested to see what she brings to this. Well, everyone, Tough spot. Everyone's watching soccer, aren't they? Bundesley. <laughs> um, no, only joking. Um, but what did? how do you think she did as a, as a TV presenter? You know, I thought than, she did fine. Yeah. I, I thought she did fine. I mean, I, I, I watched the highlights, so to speak. And I mean, it's... I thought the interview with Eric Adams was very, uh, you know, what you expect. I, 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 I didn't think it was anything extraordinary and I didn't think it was anything terrible. I thought she did a very solid job. Yeah, because it's very different being on the other side of the camera, isn't it? So, yeah. But she's kind of a natural, I think. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Um, okay, let's talk about Twitter. So when you send an email to their press inquiries uh, e- email, you get a very rude reply. And, and Diana... Uh, tested this. She confirmed this She's over the weekend. Diana she, Bradley, yeah, or Diana PR Bradley. Diana, as, um, as the industry knows her. Yeah, I, I'd like people just to know what I'm talking about on the podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, she emailed press at twitter.com and she got the poop emoji in, in reply, which isn't very nice. In some cultures, it means good luck. So maybe we'll take it that way, right? <laughs> I, this really has only just come to light because somebody wrote about it how long uh, no no elon it, musk has confirmed it he's, it's, he's tweeted about it's it. it's only just been put in this it's a recent it's a recent um movement movement <laughs> nice I'll, one, Frank. I'll show myself out now. <laughs> what do you think uh, josh i mean the whole twitter circus is interesting isn't it um how does it well what do you think of that first and then tell us what you think about brands playing on twitter you know is it is it still a safe place to to uh, hang out yeah, so I mean, that's I guess Elon being Elon. Yeah. I think he's clear on how he views the press and sort of where he sees Twitter going. Um, I think from a brand perspective, you know, we are on it for some of our brands and not for others of them. Um, I think they it's still unclear to be honest. Um, but you know, I think what we like to think about is like where's the consumer and you know where is that story happening? And sometimes it is on Twitter, so that does make sense and. Other times when it's not, you don't need to be there. Yeah. Question for you on this, Josh, is is I, I think a lot of brands probably thought this would be more clear by now, right? I yes. mean, we're going on month four. Of, yeah, I think so for sure. Yeah. I think they're still trying to figure everything out internally, obviously, um, and where they're going to take both the product and especially on the advertising side. And yeah. by the way, the, there were a lot of reporters on, t- on, t- on tweeting mm-hmm. because it's very meta like that. But um, tweeting about how Twitter used to have one of the more responsive and friendlier yeah. press departments out there. They, so it's kind of a shame in that way. They definitely did. And also Twitter is still a great place to build relations with reporters as PR people, right? You guys are still on it. Yeah, we are. We are. I know um, you had a viral tweet a few weeks ago. I did. It had nothing to do with PR, but it was my, sorry, I bore the listeners with my soccer obsession. Yeah, I got 185,000 views, which uh, again, that can go two ways if you're yeah. being flamed. But uh, it was, uh, 
an example of the power. It was a, it was retweeting, it was answering something with um, Piers Morgan and uh, oh. Cristiano Ronaldo in. So that's why it got so much sort of engagement. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it's still not, I would still, I wrote a piece a few months ago saying time to take a pause on Twitter and probably for a lot of brands, I would say it's still time to, to keep pausing there. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, still not necessarily a hundred percent safe environment to hang out on, but um, but yeah, a lot of brands are still there. Maybe they're not shouting about it, but we know they're still there yeah. and they're still spending money for sure. Um, now let's talk about the other one, TikTok. So the um, owner ByteDance is set to appear before Congress, right? Yeah, that's going to happen tomorrow, um, and this is going to be really interesting because. Uh, distrust of TikTok is one of the rare subjects that uh, seems to have, there seems to be universal agreement about uh, in Washington uh, among both Democrats and Republicans. Um, and the CEO of TikTok, Shuji uh, Chu, is going to be on the Hill on Thursday, um, and he is not expected to get a very friendly reception. Um, expected to be asked a lot about uh, the parent company of TikTok, ByteDance, uh, and its connection to the Chinese government and how safe user data actually is. Um, there are a lot of people that have concerns about where the data goes. I mean, you hear uh, you hear some accusations of, of just how much access the Chinese government has to TikTok user data. Um uh, you know, the FBI director has said that the Chinese government has the ability to control the software uh, on TikTok and things like that. And there have been threats to shut it down, get it out. And we've already seen uh, governments in the UK, Western Europe and in states uh, in the US to uh, take it off government employee phones. So this it's, it's a very serious thing. I have to imagine that there is a lot of political peril, though, in, for any politician dependent on young people's votes to get rid of it entirely. So I'm interested to see how they handle this. And I'm, I would imagine ultimately they come to some solution that's somewhere down the middle. Yeah. I'd love to get your perspective on this, Josh, because it's so powerful, isn't it? It's got so many users. Yeah. I think and they're saying 150 million yeah. in the U S and you know, populations, what 350 million. Yeah. So that's, you know, almost- I mean, it does drive a lot of the cultural conversation, yeah. especially among, you know, younger people, but also there's a lot of millennials that are on there too. Hey, hey. I happen to be on there as well. As yeah. Not yeah. a millennial, no. the, <laughs> an the, older millennial. <laughs> there was a, a seniors campaign, wasn't there? We wrote yeah. a story of AARP did a campaign on there, you know. Um, but how do you handle that? Again, you know, it's a, it's, yeah. it's a brand safety point thing, isn't it? Um, I think it's twofold, right? It's first of it, it's brand safety, but also it's, you know, is it a, you know, are there any other issues, you know, at all? So I don't know. I think for us, it's like, you know, we're going to go where the consumer is for now and be as safe as possible. Because I can't imagine there's an easy way to kind of separate it from its its parent company um, because it's so entwined. The technologies are so entwined. Even their email system is, is not, it's, it's its own proprietary system. So, Taking it and separating it from the parent company and just maybe having it as a U.S. business sounds a good, you know, a good idea. But I'm not sure how practical it is um, as, as a strategy. So, uh, yeah, yeah. it's be interesting. You mean to see what the questioning is like, even just watching what 
you know, the government, you know, Congress did when they were interviewing our other tech founders, you know, last year. I hope they're, they've stepped up a bit because it can be embarrassing, can't it? And it's, it's, it doesn't paint them in a good light. Right. So they have started to get better with that a little bit. So let's hope they've got some people in front of them who can ask sensible questions. Yeah, That's but we'll be watching Thursday. We will. On tick, maybe there'll be some TikToks on it. I, I, I thought he had a great video. I don't know if you saw it yesterday. Hi, everyone. It's Show here. I'm the CEO of TikTok. I'm here in Washington, D.C. today. And, uh, yeah, thanks for bringing this up. I should have mentioned this earlier. So thanks for bringing this up. But that was really like you, Frank. Yeah. Well, this is this is new business attire. So, uh, so yeah, but he really explained what could happen yeah. in, a, in a way that his audience could under, understand. Yeah, and I think he got a great view. reaction, yeah. um, obviously, from the TikTok community. Yeah. Good. So he might he might actually do quite well. Who knows? In front of uh, Congress. We shall see, and we will cover it on PR Week. All right, let's finish with another agency acquisition, Frank and uh, Penta, another former guest of ours. Um, they've acquired another agency. Yeah, uh, really gone from one end of the spectrum to the other, from the, the Twitter uh, poop response <laughs> to, to uh, the very serious corporate communications and strategic consulting world. Uh, we're talking about Penta. Uh, they've acquired the strategic consultant from Copperfield Advisory, which was founded by uh, Andy Whitehouse, uh, who our readers might know from uh, a prior role as the chief communications officer at IBM. Uh, he has a 15-person firm in Copperfield that is going to ultimately uh, become a part of uh, Penta, which is growing very rapidly. Launched last September, uh, as six firms merged together, it is 350 employees from, from New York, Washington, San Francisco, uh, Frankfurt, and Vail, Colorado, and a number of others. Uh, recently made some promotions, uh, and it also acquired the London-based uh, consultancy, Hume Brophy, uh, in January. So a very rapidly growing firm that uh, we know the industry is keeping an eye on. Um, so interesting to see what moves they make next. Yeah, they're making some moves, and that space is hot. Very yeah, hot. So, yeah. When are we going to see day one getting into the acquisitions market? Josh, what do you think? Is it time for world domination? If you're going to grow quicker and get up to that large agency uh, revenue number? I think we're great being mid-size right now. I think we'll <laughs> bask in that for, you know, at least the, the current moment. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, congrats again on winning Thank the you. outstanding mid-size agency. Great to see. And, uh, yeah, continued good fortune we will be watching we and, appreciate um, that and thank uh, you for all your guys' support yeah thank no you. worries frank always good to have you on the show and uh, don't forget our crisis comms conference in dc on the 12th of april so that's going to be great fun and really brilliant lineup of speakers if you haven't seen it yet you should you should definitely grab a ticket there's still a few left the global awards they're in london on the 9th of may our Healthcare Conference and Awards is in New York City on the 24th of May. And our Brand Entertainment Awards, 6th of June in New York. Um, and don't forget to get your agency business report submissions in if you haven't already. But that's all we got time for. We'll see you next time on the PR Week. PR Week.